people got to take full responsibility, 100% responsibility for their outcomes. Stop blaming the economy, stop blaming the hardships, the supply chain issues, the politics, stop blaming both things and look at what you can influence, look at what you can actually change and focus on both things. And we see a lot of amazing businesses that emerged out of crisis, time of crisis, and try to see the opportunity within hardships. There's always an opportunity. People won't stop shopping. So stop blaming the economy, stop blaming anyone basically and take full responsibility of your outcomes. Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza and you're listening to Retain, the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. Hello, and welcome to the final Retain episode of 2023. To wrap up the year, we thought we'd look back over the previous 12 months to identify the biggest marketing trends of 2023. Joining us for this special episode is Ahmed Heidi, the CEO at Gameball, the wonderful company that powers this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Ahmed. Thank you, Lauren, for hosting me. It's amazing to be finally on the podcast. Renowned <laughs> Lauren D'Souza. <laughs> I know it's the Gameball inception happening here today because our lovely <laughs> listeners get to hear Again, unfortunately, my voice. <laughs> but thankfully, the voice behind it all, which is you at Gameball. So I'm really excited for our episode today because obviously we've had a jam-packed year of all these different episodes that we've done, all these different themes and topics and things around retention. And I think for myself, it's really been interesting to see all the different facets that fall under retention. There's so much to unpack. It's not just the art of someone buying again. There's actually so many different things that fall under this umbrella. And basically, throughout the year, we've had all these wonderful conversations with people who talk about things from subscriptions to AI to this to that and everything that goes into retention. So what I was hoping for for today's conversation is taking a look back at 2023, taking a look at some of the trends, what have we seen, and seeing it from your perspective, because being a part of this wonderful company and understanding loyalty and retention from a different lens, I thought it would be the perfect way to tie all of these topics together. So that's kind of the theme that we're going for with this episode. And I'm sure the listeners will be excited to hear what we thought of the year and what's to come. So kicking ourselves off here, let's start out with just understanding the biggest theme that we saw this year, which was that a lot of people are calling 2023 the year of AI with programs like ChatGPT, GitHub doing Copilot. There's a lot of things being done around AI and the buzz is just continuing. So from your perspective, to kick things off, what did AI do for marketing this year, in your opinion? All right. So AI has been around aggressively in 2023. Everything has been around AI. It has become the center of all the news. And for marketing, it was no different. AI has completely transformed how we do marketing starting from how we automate tasks, how we become more data-driven, and how to use insights in a better way to enhance customer experience. The use of tools like ChatGPT and other AI tools have enabled for personalization at scale. Now you can create more personalized and engaging communications to your customers at a scale, something that was not easily accessible prior to the AI boom in 2023, 
Today, we use AI to do predictive analysis, to understand customer behavior, to predict what the customer is going to do next. And through all these insights, we are more able to create more efficient and targeted marketing campaigns. I also think that AI has changed how we do content marketing for good. Today, the ability to generate content at scale and rapidly has become pivotal. And it's not just about the speed. It's actually about the ability to create different and diverse content formats, starting from blog posts to social media contents, even video contents. At some point, using AI has made it absolutely amazing and more efficient to generate content at a scale that is more relatable and engaging as AI learns more every day how to replicate the human language announces and speak like a human. So it has been great. And I think AI is changing marketing forever. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's crazy to even think like on a daily basis, I'm using ChatGPT for different ideas, different edits, different things. It's actually weird to think about a daily routine without something like ChatGPT, which might be a good thing, might be a scary thing. We don't know. But I guess to the flip side of all of that, there's also some downsides as well that we've seen where people are using ChatGPT as a replacement for there are certain things where you need that human touch or you need that value add there. And one byproduct to like the content side that we're talking about is how the reaction to the mistakes that AI was making. So how businesses were capitalizing that on their marketing. But I'm curious from your point of view, do you find that because it's so easily accessible now and it's actually so easy to go ahead and do something like that, do you see any challenges with that? Do you see any obstacles that people will have to overcome because it's so easily accessible that now it's being overdone in a very generic sense? So I'm curious to know that while it's great for making things relatable and personalized and things like that, do you see any challenges and obstacles for companies as the new year rings in? So AI is still learning. It's still adapting and it's still learning how to act more like a human. And I think with time, people are becoming more sensitive towards AI content and they're becoming more aware. Like now it's easy for you to identify and detect when something is AI generated versus a human yeah. being. <laughs> so on one side, brands are leveraging AI in a good way. Like they are making things more efficient. They are generating content that is more engaging and personalized. But on the other side, sometimes AI does errors. And we've seen brands cleverly tackle those errors by creating a narrative of transparency and innovation. Like we know AI did those errors, so we're going to transform this a humorous outcome in a way. And through this, I believe those brands, again, they humanized their activities. Like we use AI, we admit that we use AI, but when the AI does a mistake, we humanize those mistakes and we make fun of them, actually, basically. <laughs> so, so yeah, we've seen this happening by clever brands, and I would say they are very clever to do that. It's always carriages to laugh at your own mistakes and make fun of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I, absolutely. And I'm not shy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's important that while we use AI to optimize and make things more efficient, we also admit the mistakes that AI will continue making in the short term and basically try to find ways to use that to your benefit, like making fun of them, engaging people on the errors that AI make and so on. I do really like that. It's actually funny. I've been seeing a lot of more creative ads around ChatGPT, or specifically ChatGPT, not just AI in general, but ChatGPT and people saying like making light of it or making jokes of it. And actually, I was on a trip recently to Kenya and there was all these billboards around saying someone tell ChatGPT that insurance is done by this provider or whatever it is. But 
it's actually fun and creative because everyone's talking about how silly it can be sometimes or trying to hack into it or whatever it might be. So definitely agree with you there. And I guess one topic that we're always going to be talking about, especially with our customer base and who we're serving and everything like that, is the impact on e-commerce. Because we both know that e-commerce is one of the fastest changing industries there is. And we're always trying to keep up to date with what's going on, all the changes and how that is affected. And AI has obviously had a huge impact on that. So I'm curious from your point of view, how do you think that AI has impacted e-commerce over this past year? I think it's still the utilization of AI in e-commerce is still in its infant stages. We are barely scratching the surface. It's going to even impact e-commerce in more aggressive ways in 2024 and moving forward. But in 2023, we've started seeing how AI has impacted a lot of areas in e-commerce, starting from how you create better shopping experiences and personalized experiences to using uh, predictive analysis to anticipate and predict what the customer needs and wants next. So you can basically be there when they expect. And to customer support operations today, using AI-powered chatbots, you can have 24-7 customer service agents run your customer support operations entirely without human interference, which is offering an opportunity for brands to offer unparalleled customer experience, something that we've not been seeing in the past few years. We've also seen how AI impacted the supply chain operations by basically understanding and forecasting a demand on certain products based on better analysis of data and consumer behavior and basically optimizing supply chain around this data. Also, when it comes to product recommendation, it has been there for a while. AI product recommendation is not a new thing, but with the new capabilities of AI, we're taking this to the next level. It's not just about recommending products based on your purchases, but reformatting the whole shopping experience to fit who you actually are. So taking recommendations to the next level by creating a completely personalized shopping experience from A to Z is offering a huge opportunity for retailers to be more relatable and create more loyalty for its customer base as shoppers now feel more understood and and catered to. Even from the consumer point of view, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting. There's always this joke ongoing that when you're on Instagram and you say something and then the ad just pops up and it's like they were listening to me. But actually, a lot of people really like the fact that it's really easy for them to find something personalized to what they're looking for. And it's actually much easier to find products that are relevant to them and relatable because Obviously, the use of AI is understanding the consumer behavior patterns and trying to figure out where they're going, but it's a lot more tailored. It's personalized. It's easy. I even actually noticed it myself this year with the holiday shopping for Christmas presents and holiday gifts and whatnot. It was actually a lot easier to find things that I was looking for for my loved ones and whatnot because everything was tailored and personalized. So some people are complaining that it's a little scary, but I actually like it. I think it's nice. What you're referring to is basically the ads, personalized ads, and using your data to optimize ads experiences, which is kind of creepy, I'd say. <laughs> I, I, I feel out and I feel like I'm being listened to all the time. And people are pushing ads on me everywhere whenever I browse the internet. So it's kind of creepy in a way. <laughs> it's, it's also creepy. But I think AI today is offering a new opportunity for brands to actually use first-party data which is using their own data to optimize their own marketing campaigns through their own native channels and not through ads platforms like Facebook and Instagram and those people. Mm. 
because customers now are becoming more sensitive about their data privacy and not everyone is feeling comfortable, feeling listened to all the time. And with Apple cracking on all the major advertisement platforms with data usage, now there's an opportunity for retailers and brands to basically leverage first-party data in a more efficient way to move away from those traditional advertisement platforms, yet not losing efficiency and reach. I'm curious, do you have any examples that come to top of mind of a company that leverages their first-party data really well, either from experience from like the game ball perspective or even as a consumer yourself? I wonder if you have anything that comes to mind as an example of a company that does that really well. There's one example that I've always been fascinated with. I read this case study back in 2017 about Tesco, which is a major retailer. And that was back in 2017. And I read this case study that it said that Tesco basically identified through their data that new fathers, unable to spend much time at pops, they would buy more beer. And Tesco leveraged this data to tailor the loyalty programs, offering discounts on beer for purchases of diapers. So when you buy more That's diapers, so you get discounts to spend on beer. When you look <laughs> at it from outside without context, you would find it a very weird marketing campaign, but it Absolutely. makes perfect sense just because they understand how the customers, who their customers are and why they behave the way that they behave. So by understanding the customers more, they are now more able to create tailored campaigns and promotions that basically fits their customer personas and who they basically are. And yeah. this is all barred by first party data. You can and this marketing campaign was actually extremely successful. I uh, believe it. That sounds it, about right. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So imagine buying diapers and getting discount on beer. It's, it sounds crazy, it's but incredible. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting, though, and a really good example. I love that you remembered a case study back from 2017. That is crazy. <laughs> but really good example. And actually, speaking of, you just touched on it, which was going to be the next area that I dive into, is around their loyalty and retention. Because, shocker, we're both in the loyalty and retention space. And so I guess for everyone who's listening right now, my role within Gameball is around customer success. So each and every day coming up with strategies for our awesome customers and figuring out how Gameball is going to be a part of their retention strategy. So I'm seeing it boots on the ground with every customer, different industries, different focuses, different goals. But Heidi, from your point of view, seeing it more high level and seeing the overall macro trends and seeing what's going on, what do you think about the strategies and the tactics that businesses try to use to improve their retention rates and how do you think it went for them this year? So there's a significant shift when it comes to strategy, a significant shift towards using more data-driven strategies to make marketing more targeted and more efficient and more personalized. Brands are now increasingly aware of the importance of creating personalized experiences. Like if you take a step back and look at the industry at a micro level, everything is out there. Like the competition is being very fierce. Everyone sells basically the same products and the same things. And the competition is no more around products because it's very rare that products are unique or services are unique. But the competition now is basically around experiences. And this is where brands are being more aware that offering better experiences and more personalized experiences is how to win in 2023 and moving forward. So now AI is presenting an opportunity for brands to use data to leverage data to generate more customer insights and use those insights to tailor and benefit from that to basically tailor better and engaging marketing campaigns. 
We're also seeing brands leveraging omni-channel omni strategies. Like today, customers interact with brands across multiple channels. You know, so it's not just one channel anymore. And brands are becoming more aware of that. And so we are seeing a lot of integration of omni-channel strategies to create seamless customer journey, whether offline or online or across mobile or web and so on. We're also seeing a, a rise in influencers and user-generated content, and that's becoming a massive strategy for people, for brands. So when you think about it, 20 years ago, most of the influencers were celebrities, football players, singers, actors, actresses. But today, most of the influencers are people like you and me. They are yeah. people that we can relate to. And the user-generated content trend is basically becoming massive. Normal people are able to share their own experiences and communicate with communities. And brands are leveraging those micro-influencers for their niche and to engage with their relevant customers. And when you think about it from a consumer perspective, this kind of influencer-generated or user-generated content is more authentic, feels more authentic because you relate to those influencers. They are not actors. They are not football players. They are not rich. Yeah. They're people like us, right? So you relate to the content that they generate. Trade brands are leveraging this in their strategies and making sure that they reach their niche, they reach their audiences and their niches through those micro-influencer trends. Actually, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about it to myself and I realized how much UGC, user-generated content, really took off this year. And it's not just the standard thing where it's the influencer saying, oh, this is a great product, you have to try it out, whatever. I actually was thinking to myself of all the products that I've bought this year, I would say probably close to 80 to 85%. Typically, I'm somebody who reads reviews. I love reviews. It's very much verified for me. But I also noticed now that reviews in, in the difference between reviews and UGC, you're noticing more UGC, less reviews, or not that they're not verified, but I am noticing some gaps in verified reviews. But for myself, I'm a conscious shopper and I'm not an impulse buyer. I'm always going to do my research. I'm always going to figure out what it is that I why I need something, what's the value of it, what am I willing to pay, etc. And I found that this year between skincare, cosmetics, apparel, footwear, whatever it might have been, I'm even willing to look past some of the blemishes or the mistakes that brands will make or in their products if I'm getting a genuine, proper, good review from somebody who's a person just like myself, not a celebrity influencer. And I'm more likely to buy when there's many more genuine video reviews. And I think the leveraging of technology to get those videos in front of me has done a really good job because I've even bought new products that I wouldn't have even expected myself to buy because of these kinds of reviews. Even the most recent product that I bought as a Christmas gift is one thing that I never even thought I would have purchased. But because of different people's reviews and how they use it and the actually the why behind it, the you can use it for this or it helps you feel this way or accomplish this thing is something that you can't get with the influence like the celebrity influencer review. So very interesting. And I think it'll be a race to figure out the most genuine, the most high quality and the most valuable pieces of UTC content coming in the new year because of the fact that it is very popular now and everybody's trying to do it, but it'll be a race for quality at that point. So couldn't agree with you more there, which is really interesting. I think in general, brands are being more conscious about, they want to be more relatable and more relevant to their audience. And there's also this increasing consciousness about the social and environmental impact by brands. And we see this also reflected on their tone of voice. It's not just about the marketing campaigns, but also how we talk about our brand, how we promote our products. And thanks to Gen Z, I think 
the Gen Z generation is the most conscious about the environment and the social impact of consumerism. And they are pushing brands to adopt more of those trends. So I see a lot of brands today promoting, trying to be more relevant through micro-influencers, through being more conscious about their social and environmental impact, being more inclusive in how they communicate. They're trying to be more conversational, more authentic, and basically more purpose-driven. And that's how brands today are getting closer to their customer base. Yeah. And actually, even if you notice across the globe, not just in one region specifically, but even if you take a look on the startup side of things, in global accelerators, funding, where it's being focused, initiatives for next year, whatever it might be, a lot of the accelerators are now heavier distribution towards social impact companies and targeting the SDG, like the Sustainable Development Goals. It's actually quite interesting because I was curious about the split that used to happen. And if you take a look at the past even eight to nine years, it's slowly but surely focusing because these companies are for profit. It's not that they all have to be nonprofit or anything like that. It's that there's always becoming this one element of social impact and people are trying to do good as part of their overall business model. So I think that's also, like you said, driven by the impact that Gen Z is demanding this kind of thing within the products and the services that they support. And it's only going to increase with the freedom of speech and their opinion and things like that on social media. So I think that'll be an interesting impact for the coming year as well. And I guess one thing that is also on our minds, because again, shocker, we're all about retention and loyalty here. But one thing that I've heard both pros and cons about throughout the year is loyalty schemes. So I guess schemes might not actually be the best word for this, but some companies do it really, really well where they're genuinely motivating in the correct way with their loyalty programs. And some are doing it because everybody's trying to jump on this retention wagon and trying to figure it out. And I think it's going to continue being like this. But in your opinion, how have things like loyalty programs and schemes and subscriptions retained their relevance this year? And how has this concept where everybody wants more for less, how has value for money impacted customer retention? So big question there, a lot to unpack, but I'm curious to know your view on loyalty subscription and the fact that people are wanting more for less to get a better value for their money and what are the trends you're seeing there in the past year so i think brands are finally starting to move away from just the transaction-based pointing systems the classic way to do loyalty programs and they are trying to integrate loyalty within their mobile apps their omni channels and throughout the customer journey in general they're trying to be more close to the customers but the problem with loyalty programs is that when you don't give it proper focus and proper investment, it needs investment, just like all the other marketing initiatives. If you don't give it niche, the proper focus and investment, it's not going to fly and don't expect it to fly. And that's the problem. Most of the brands, a lot of the brands, they launch what we call static loyalty programs, just point-based transactionals, pay $1, get one point. And those kind of programs are becoming very boring. They are very repetitive and all brands basically do. And they are like kind of the default. And customers are now more conscious about value and they are more conscious about personalization and they expect brands to cater to who they are and what they need. They don't relate to generic loyalty programs anymore. They don't relate to generic promotions anymore. They want promotions that are tailored for them and sent to them at the right time. And this is why there's a great need to start shifting loyalty programs from classical models like pointing systems and transaction-based points to more 
behavior-driven and data-driven loyalty programs that cater to who the customers really are and caters to them across different channels and at the right time and so on. Customers are being more value-sensitive. The economy is getting is being very harsh on everyone. So mm-hmm. people are very money-conscious, value-conscious, and they expect the loyalty programs to bring them value. And the more value the loyalty program brings to the customer, the more value it also brings to the brand. Because when a customer is loyal, you're increasing your LTV, you're increasing the basket size, you're increasing referrals. And this is all very positive ROI for the brands. So I would encourage brands to invest more in their loyalty programs and to not be afraid from giving more value and more money to the customer for being loyal. Because on the long term, this is a winning strategy. You're winning a customer for life. You're increasing their spending over time. And they are most likely going to bring their friends and family to buy from your brand. And they will eventually become natural ambassadors. And you want that. As a brand, you want that. This is the cheapest way to actually acquire customers and make more money. So don't shy away from loyalty programs. Don't stop investing in loyalty programs. And don't be afraid from giving actual value to customers through loyalty programs because they expect that and it's going to be very helpful for your brand in the long term. And I think something that's really important to add on to that insight is that value just doesn't have to be getting as much as you possibly can for what you're paying because at some point that will stop. It'll be how much more could you possibly add on if I get a free mystery box for being a platinum member and it's filled with junk that I don't care about, it'll actually devalue my experience with the brand more than anything. And even with our game ball customers, I spend a lot of time thinking about what is the value of this brand to the customer. And one of the greatest examples that I have seen and experienced myself is if you think about Aeroplan, like the airline loyalty. And so huge across North America and helps me get to wherever I need to go. But really studying the different ways that they provide value, because obviously, if I become an Aeroplan member, my main goal is to get discounted plane tickets. If I'm going to see my family in Australia and it's going to cost me close to $3,000, anything I can do to get that price down is an ideal thing for me. However, I realized that last year when I was booking my flight to Australia, I was even more pleasantly surprised by the little perks and values along the way. For example, bypass security or the faster line for security, things like access to the lounge, things like extra or a less expensive upgrade to premium economy. I probably end up still spending the same amount that I would have just regularly booking a ticket. But it's these little things along the way that added value to me because my travel was less stressful. I was enjoying the journey, actually getting traveling two days to get to the other side of the world. It was actually a nice, pleasant experience. And I thought to myself, it's actually worth me being a part of this. And I actually started to feel some sort of affinity to the brand because I was thinking it's really nice to have these nice things that make you feel good. Another nice example is something like Sephora. And actually, we had the head of marketing for the European region of Sephora on the podcast earlier this year. And she provided a really interesting insight. She said that people from the Sephora team will regularly go and be mystery shoppers at Sephora stores. And it's really important because Sephora is trying to be the go-to brand for all things cosmetics, beauty, you name it. And that's hard when you're always competing with the brands themselves who have the standalone loyalty programs. But she said that one of the most interesting aspects about the VIP program at Sephora, what also makes it one of the most successful ones, is they really understand what is the value that they're providing to their customers. And one very subtle technique that they use that is just honestly genius in my point of view 
is when you get to the checkout, even if you have something like 100 points, which is pretty easy to get to, when you finish your transaction and you're done, they'll say, do you want to redeem 100 points for a little add-on to your gift? So at the counter, they'll have a display of a couple different items, one for 100 points, one for 250, one for 500. And the 500 will actually be a full-size item. Now, that is really exciting because if you go in and you buy your new skincare product and then you come out with two products, it's actually really nice because it seems like you've gotten something free. And the thing is, it's not just saying, oh, you're going to get 50% off of your order because you're actually paying the same price that you would have typically. But you're getting this value add on top, which is this new product to try. It feels like you got a free gift based on your shopping experience that day. You walk out with another item in your bag. It's a really good feeling. So to your point, I think this focus on value and the why behind somebody is with your brand is going to be the most important question to answer because that's what will get the personalized experiences. That's what will get people thinking, I really like being with this brand. I really like being known that I shop with Sephora or I buy with Aeroplan or whatever it is. So I could not agree more with what you said. That's a very important point, Lauren. I think brands need to realize that giving rewards through a loyalty program doesn't always need to be money value stuff. Like status could be something. Giving premium customer support, priority service, maybe skip uh, queues, maybe getting access to new products before everyone else, maybe getting access to special events by the brand. All those kind of meet your favorite celebrity, stuff like that. It doesn't cost you a lot of money, but it gives the status that eventually makes the customer loyal to your brand without spending really much. So that's the beauty of loyalty programs. You can play around. You can try different things out. And that's why I said brands need to start focusing on investing on their loyalty programs because ultimately their cheapest way to really generate more money on the long term. It's not about ads anymore. CAC is stupidly increasing all the time. And it's insane. Like the CAC LTV ratio, the customer acquisition cost versus lifetime value is becoming ridiculous you will need to pay a lot of money to generate the same value you used to last year or two years ago. So now unconventional loyalty programs and focusing on customer experience and personalization is actually the way to move forward starting 2023 and upwards. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm also excited to see what brands do to change things up next year. I think it'll be an interesting and challenging year, but I think a lot of new innovations, new ideas will come out of it. And speaking of which, and kind of bringing our episode to an end and tying it all together... We looked at what 2023 did. We understood about the trends that happened in AI, some of the ups, some of the downs, what happened with retention, whatnot. What do you think and what are your predictions for AI, e-commerce, how it's going to be leveraged, social media in 2024? Let me start with unexpected trends. And I'd be surprised to see a rapid adoption of immersive technologies like AR and VR. Don't see this happening in 2024. These technologies were created to grow the past two years, but they haven't. And I don't see this happening either in 2024. So I don't think I'd be very surprised to see those technologies rapidly emerging in 2024. I don't see this happening. On the other hand, naturally, I see there's going to be further integration of AI within marketing activity and operational activities. That's by default. AI is is becoming more powerful, more strong every day. And I can only imagine that this is going to be integrated more and more into business operations for e-commerce. I also believe that is going to be a greater emphasis on sustainability and what I call ethical consumerism. And I think thanks to Gen Z, again, they're being more conscious about the impact of consumerism on the society, on environment. And I believe there's going to be more talks and more debate around ethical consumerism in 2024 and sustainability in general. 
brands are going to become more responsible and there's going to be a lot of talks around how brands are responsible for the environment and for the society's well-being. Absolutely. And I'm actually intrigued about that that unexpected trend of AR, VR not taking or not really holding as much space as we might think it does. Because I think that's one of the most interesting things over the past couple of years that you really thought it would have taken off more than it did. And I think people are trying to push for it a bit, but I'm not sure it's really grabbing that momentum that it was expected well, it to. Come later, but just like the metaverse. Yeah. You will expect the metaverse to go really big, but it didn't pick up. Yeah. It's still there, but it's very limited to a certain niche and it's not picking up for the mass market yet. I don't see this happening in 2024 either, maybe later, but I think AR and VR are basically interconnected with the metaverse thing. So if metaverse picks up, those technologies are going to pick up. And I don't see metaverse picking up anytime soon. So what we're going to have to do is find ourselves here a year today and look back on your prediction and see how things went and see were you predicting it correctly? Were you way off? Who knows? I'm curious to know. (laughs) Awesome. But with that, Thank you so much, Ahmed, for all of your insights and all the things that you brought to the show today. I know it'll be a really nice way to tie off the year and have everybody think about what happened in 2023 and what's to come in 2024. Now, one very final thing before I let you go, and it's one of our my favorite aspects of the entire show, is that we always end on a advice question. So has anybody shared a piece of advice with you, whether marketing or life advice, that they shared with you once that has always stayed with you can be business or life related. So take it as you will. We've had quite the mix on the show. So whichever way you want to take it. All right. So I think I shouldn't always blame the economy for continuous quarters of declining sales. So what I, (laughs) what I want to say basically is people got to take full responsibility, hundred percent responsibility for their outcomes. Stop blaming the economy. Stop blaming the hardships, the supply chain issues, the politics, stop blaming those things and look at what you can influence, look at what you can actually change and focus on those things. And we see a lot of amazing businesses that emerged out of crisis, time of crisis, and try to see the opportunity within hardships. There's always an opportunity. People won't stop shopping. People won't stop buying things. People won't stop eating, won't stop getting new clothes. So people will always continue to shop. Maybe trends will happen, maybe change of taste, maybe change of trends, preferences. But we see a lot of new products emerging every day, capitalizing on those crisis moments. Things like Buy Now, Pay Later, PNPL. Those kind of solutions, new solutions are there to basically capitalize on the opportunities that have emerged out of the crisis. So stop blaming the economy, stop blaming anyone basically and take full responsibility of your outcomes. I like that. It's also a optimistic view on the fact that as hard as times can get, there's always an opportunity to be found. And some of the greatest innovations ever brought to the market have been through the toughest times because through the tough times is where you see opportunities. So I like that a lot and a really great way to end off the episode today. So thank you so much, Ahmed, and we'll catch you in the new year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. If you want to turn casual buyers into loyal, lifetime customers, make sure to check out the episode description to book a demo with Gameball today. Also, make sure to subscribe to retain the customer retention podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.